0: Welcome to another Distinct Nostalgia, and we're keeping up the comedy theme as we meet a regular from the world's longest-running sitcom, The Last of the Summer Wine. Ashley's been talking to Mike Grady, who played Thora Heard's character's son-in-law, Barry, one half of Barry and Glenda, the show's younger contingent. Last of the Summer Wine was created in 1973, so it's almost 50 years old this year. Written by Roy Clark, who also created Open All Hours and Keeping Up Appearances, it was, of course, set in the beautiful West Yorkshire countryside. Have a listen to this and see if you can spot Mike's uncanny impression of Peter Salis. Enjoy.
1: Distinct
2: nostalgia, more than a podcast. So we return to the second part of my interview with Mike Grady, and of course, our main focus is on Last of the Summer Wine. Now, obviously, the main characters who have been there—two of the main people have been there right from the very beginning, and several people actually have been there from the from the start. We're talking Peter um,
1: Salas, so, There was Bill. There yeah. was Peter. There was there was uh, uh, Kathy and. John had died, but there was uh, uh, there was still um, Jane was still there. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah Jane so, Freeman. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's just talk about some of those a little bit. So they've been there for a long time since the very beginning, and the programme had evolved quite a bit. I remember the very first uh, episodes. I wasn't, I don't remember them because I was too young to watch them. But yeah. I've watched them since from nineteen seventy three. And it was a slightly different show then. It, was, a, it yeah. was quite. It was fairly slow. It was quite. There was certainly some serious elements to it. Um, mm. Like all comedies, you know, there's a bit of always, often a bit of black humour or whatever. And I think, um, you know, I, I thought, I thought it, I thought it was brilliant right from the very start. Some of those very early episodes. Um, but what were people like? You know, what was? I mean, Peter Salas was there all the way through. What was what was he like as a as a guy to work with? Peter was—he uh,
1: was—he was quite reclusive. He was quite self-contained. Um, Alan had explained to me why they were rejigging the series before I went into it. He said that they've been together a long time uh, already, and it's—it's it's a little fractious. It's—it's it's not entirely comfortable at the moment. One of our leading actors is is leaving. We're replacing him with Michael Aldridge and we're, we're just hoping it will work out, you know? Um, so it hadn't been a happy ship, I think, until then. Michael Aldridge came into the series. Michael was a party animal. Michael would, he would start, he would start the day, you know, with everybody would have a good time. This is going to be a great day. Uh, and, Everybody had a great day because Michael said we're going to have a great day. And and everybody would want to work with him. Everybody would want to go in, do their thing. Peter responded to him enormously well. And they became very firm friends. He was his sort of Peter's father confessor. And he was, you know, if there was any issue, Michael would be the man to go to because he was an ebullient creature who knew how to get on with things, you know. So Peter, I think, um, always... He, he could be quite sharp, but he was always very, very good with me. I gave him no problem, um, and uh, he he could pull a few. He would be funny sometimes, just for the sake of it. We were filming in a pub one day, and he was sitting in the dark while there was a the filming was going on at the, at the end of the bar. And he was quite elderly by then. And he said, uh, "I sat down with him. I said, hello, Peter. How are you doing?'" And he said, "Okay." He said, "Is that?" Um, Is that Mike Grady? And I said, yes, it is, it is, Peter. He said, I've just had the most um, awful experience. I said, well, do you want to tell me about it? You know, I was concerned. He said, I've just been into the lavatory and you know my eyesight isn't what it was. Well, I've just spent two whole minutes trying to dry my hands under the condom machine. (laughs) I don't know if anything that was true or if you just winded me up but it was very funny he would do that
2: you had a great impression of him there. You were fantastic. That's really good. That's really good. You Would could you do like a piece of cheese. Yes, go, you could go. do that. You could, yeah. Go. Why don't you? Line... You should be doing that. <laughs> I'll
1: give Nick Parker a ring and see what he's doing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, no he, he was. I mean, he was. He was great, and obviously lived to a ripe old age, didn't he? Old uh, Peter Salis?: Those little. guys, they lived into their nineties. Yeah, I know. I know. Absolutely. I mean, he, they all did. It was just amazing. What about Bill then? What was Bill like?
1: Bill was Bill was separate from everybody he lived separately we all stayed in the same hotel bill uh, rented a cottage out uh, several miles away um he was uh, very much his own person um got on with his life uh, and uh, didn't mix socially with us um had had a great career was very highly thought of by lots and lots of people. Well oh, he was in Indiana's. tons of
2: films, wasn't he, back in the 50s and 60s? He he loads of films, of yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, uh, was immensely brave when he was dying. He, We um, were filming right up until a few weeks before he died, and I remember he'd lost a lot of weight and was ravaged with this, this uh, illness. And he... Um, was out in the, the hills and the roads and the farmyards performing um, really bravely. So that's how I will try and remember him as somebody with great courage.
2: Now, for a lot of people who remember Last of Summer Wine, um, there was obviously different combinations of, of the trio. But I think for most people, they probably think of Compo, Clegg and Foggy. They think of, um, yeah. of of Brian Wilde's character now. Of course, when you came in 1986, he wasn't there at that point, but he did return, didn't he? In Nineteen, I think it was 1990, he came back into the series. So you... he came into it
1: as so I was kind of going out. We did a series together. Oh, he did the series. I was in and out of it, but um, he didn't. Uh, another one. He was very separate. He stayed away from things. He was a perfectly nice man. Very nice man. I thought he was a great actor. I remember him being in lots of TV stuff when I was a teenager, watching it week after week and seeing him in various plays. And he was a really interesting actor. And, of course, he'd had uh, the, the porridge and all those
2: things yeah, as well. It was, it was so
1: he has a great career. Um, but he didn't um, want... He wasn't a great uh, socializer, a great mixer. He liked to be somewhere separate. So we didn't really get to know each other, um, unfortunately. Um but I admired him and thought he was uh, very, very good in it. But, um, but then I went off and did other things for a few years anyway. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if he stayed with it then or not.
2: But what was interesting um, is this, is the characters that he played in Porridge and in, um, and in in Last of Summer of Wine were very different, weren't they? they were extremely different. different. Yeah. He, he showed yes. us, certainly proved his versatility at that. In oh. fact, the character in Last of Summer of Wine was more was more like. Um, Fulton Mackay's character in in Porridge wasn't it you know what I mean? It's like Correct. a reversal in that sense you know which is, yeah. which is interesting. So and so you got yeah. those you got, you got they're, they're the three I think a lot of people remember and of course um Kathy Staff playing Nora 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 Nora, With,
1: Nora Batty was was a, was a, an icon created mostly by Terry Wogan. <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> on yeah, his radio show. She played some quite iconic characters over the years. She was Miss Luke in Crossroads of course. She was And she was, um, obviously, she played um, the character in Last Summer Wine. And then she was also a regular reoccurring character in 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 open all hours as as Miss, mrs so Ble- she was. Mrs blewett.
1: <laughs> was blewett so she was so she
2: was it was always it was always sort of um, talking about who was dying you know oh, so they're not got long at number nine and all this kind of stuff which is quite which is quite good what do you think about that relationship that the constant relationship they had over the years between compo and 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 her character
1: it was it was the the relationship was slightly weird but but you know it it hit a chord with the public yeah it
2: did but what 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 i'm saying is do you think do you think because when you look at it back at it um people would say to an extent it was sexist although actually uh compo's character does get his comeuppance constantly so it's not as if she doesn't you know fight back against it kind of thing but do you think do you think that would work now
0: we'll be back after a quick break you still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping you feel yeah. me? Loading them up on it, it. Only takes structure, and and you know just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah, know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? I you mean, yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm y'all already? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying, oh, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, no, we all artists, man. We oh. go. You feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, <laughs> we'd be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> don't shit right play with now. This I got gonna lie, we play with this shit right now for real. I ain't Don't, oh, don't lie. play with, don't it, play. with it. Take that shit seriously.
1: I think not. No, I think probably you'd, you'd have to rethink yeah, that. But Roy was writing seaside postcards, yeah, basically. Of course. I mean, that's not to take anything away. I think the scripts were fantastic. He also liked a joke but in a very different way to John Sullivan but he uh, his stuff was 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 rooted in the in the period when a, a bit of slap and tickle was kind of uh, very acceptable, I suppose would be a word that you might say that was very common in films um, and uh, a sort of a, a sort of romance of that sort a one-sided but you know kind of welcome you know, a uh, will-they-won't-they they kind of romance was was, uh, was acceptable. I, I think it was all right. I've never heard anybody being offended by anything Roy wrote. Either people don't like it at all, or they've never seen it, or else they are devoted to it. Yeah. And Roy wrote so many series, like John really. He wrote so many wonderful... Series he wrote, This is Bucket, whatever that was called. Um,
2: keeping up appearances, uh,
1: keeping up appearances, and he, he wrote, uh, uh, as you say, Open All Hours, both versions with David in both series. And, um, you can play, I think you can play all of those series now, yeah, and 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 still find an audience. The beauty of Summer Wine was that, and I still come across this, was that. It was for all generations. The number of people I know said, oh, I remember that series. I used to sit on my grandma's knee on a Sunday night and watch that. And it would take my mind off the fact that I had to go to school the next day. (laughs) Uh, While mum and dad went down the pub for for an evening pint, I would stay at home with gran and watch the series. And so many people had that experience. It was a, it was something that kind of bonded, bonded generations.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, as you came into it, in 1986. This is when they started to expand the, the cast a bit more. Of course, cool, not half, uh, mass- massively. I mean, every, oh. everybody who's anybody ended up in in in, in Last of the Wine, didn't they? Over over time. And so you had They're some real actors. interesting characters. I mean, I mean, sh- um, people forget this, but Jean Alexander was in it for a hell of a long time, wasn't she? As he's a as... great actors. Yeah. These are
1: just people. I was, I was in awe of these people all the time. I mean, I thought I, I, I pinch myself sometimes, think, wow, that I, that I knew them and I worked with them daily, and we conversed, and we chatted, and we gossiped, and we, we colluded, you know, um, and we laughed together, you know, uh, with with people that I.
2: That I could only dream about. Really, G- I uh, interviewed so... I interviewed Jean about two or three years ago before she died, and she obviously she was very well known for mainly yeah. well known for Hilda Ogden, which wow. she played f- fantastically. But she said yeah. her favourite part was playing Auntie Wainwright. She was it really? Preferred Auntie Good Wainwright Lord,
1: again. I'm so pleased about that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I I didn't know that. But um, she was uh, she was she was magnificent. They were just uh, they were people from, you know, like. They'd all had a history. They were all of an age. They were kind of a generation ahead of me. And they'd all been in the war, one way or another. Uh, Peter had been in the services. Um, Frank had been in the Canadian Air Force, bizarrely. Uh, didn't see action because he was a, a radio operator, but it finished before. But they'd all had then, before the war, they'd had a history in the theatre. I mean, Frank had... Uh, uh, Peter had been been in the, the theatre with Laurence Olivier, Vivian Leigh, people like that. Uh, Frank had been in the theatre with some of the greatest actors that we'd ever known. They they all had this amazing history. Um, and Jean was, of course, you know, she. I thought Hilda Ogden was a wonderful creation, which rather like Violet, she she had that speed of delivery which you could. Completely rely on, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. They were absolutely.
2: Absolutely, but there are all these new characters and, and combinations of characters. So you got, um, you know, we recently lost Robert Fyfe, but you know that that sort of storyline between him and his his wife and his you know his, his, um, his, his, his sort of bit on the side, as it were, that went on for years. That was a, that, that could was have been a, a series of its own, couldn't it? In a way, oh, easily. Yeah,
1: I mean, there were series within series. Like the the policemen always wanted their own series. They always yeah. thought they should have their own series. <laughs> Uh, uh, Roy wrote for Juliet Kaplan, a one-woman show that she took on, uh, she did on her cruise cruise ships. Um, the numbers of people who used to come up and chat to me about the series, and the thing they loved was uh, the film of Jean, the, the stuff with Jean Ferguson and Juliet and Robert Fife, you know. And they just loved that trio for some reason. It was it was illicit, but it never went very far. It was it stopped at the edge of the comic postcard, you know. And it always ended up with him covered in mud. <laughs> and, and they were, you know, as they got older, they still were very brave. I mean, they got on that uh, that bicycle. They had that thing and and rode around <laughs> all over the place. They were an amazing bunch of people.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. It was
1: very funny. That could have been a series on its own. But they all fitted in. They only worked really within the context of of that village, of that, that summer wine thing.
0: Ashley's chat with Mike Grady continues on Distinct Nostalgia in just a few minutes. Ah, The Tones
2: of Distant Hills by the Simon Park Orchestra, the closing theme to the classic TV series Crown Court which began on ITV 50 years ago this year. We've a special coming up later in the year in which we'll be remembering the series with several people, including Simon Park, who penned that iconic music. But we'd also like to hear your memories of the groundbreaking show too. Drop us a message at info at or send us a direct message on our Twitter page at distinctbymim.
0: Distinct drama, fresh and original. Available now on Distinct Nostalgia, a trilogy of comedy dramas by Carl Chetty, starting with Soft Centres. When I think of how I've wasted my life here. Starring Sir Derek Jacobi as Frankie. Placing handmade soft centres and nut clusters into poncy dwarf coffins is hardly an achievement. And Joanna Lumley as Millicent. Oh, Frankie's well past this game. He's been here 30 odd years. He'll be carried out in a box. <laughs> it's probably a gold chalky box with red bows and ribbons. And the story continues in Hard Centres.
2: Well, I'm supposed to be retired, you know, but I'm back in the basement in my own little
0: chalky grotto. <laughs> Starring Sir Derek Jacobi as Frankie. And Imelda Staunton as Millicent. I hear I like your new hat, sis.
2: I'll slap you in a minute, <laughs> Cheeky run. You know it is my hat, it's my hair. Sebastian, just done it. Incidentally... Yes, yeah, so and what's that dirty look for? Your senorita's gone, but not forgotten. My senorita... What did you do to her? Show her your erogenous zone?
0: And we conclude with Dark Centres, starring Sir Derek Jacobi as Frankie... And June Brown as Millicent.
1: Is there something going on between you two? Chant to be a fine
0: thing, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Helen Lederer as Mrs Hamilton. So he's given someone a box of hard centres instead of soft centres. So what? That's what dentists are for. And Christopher Ryan as Mr Hamilton. Things are already at half-cock. My tinnitus is getting worse, and plus I can't sprint for a taxi anymore without wheezing and drawing on my inhaler. So that's Soft Centres, Hard Centres, and Dark Centres by Carl Chetty. Available only on Distinct Nostalgia, wherever you get your podcasts. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM. And if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you.
2: So in terms of your character and um your co-star as it were tell us a bit yeah. about your relationship well, we
1: were we were the mr. And, mr and mrs normal you know everybody else was very eccentric and we used to wonder sometimes we used to, occasionally roy would show up occasionally and he i've got to say roy clark still with us 91 years old i don't know if he's writing now if he's just decided to not bother but he wrote that series and all the other series himself with nobody else doing it, just sat there and wrote and wrote and wrote. Amazing man. And if the if an episode was running short, uh, he would fax uh, a scene and usually it would come to uh, Sarah, Thomas and myself, because we were the youngest members, even though I had a bus pass by the end of it, we were the youngest members of the cast and we could learn it quickly over lunch and then shoot it. Um, so we were kind of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Normal in amongst all this eccentricity. We were the most normal people there were given the circumstances of what we were faced with. And uh, I, I rather liked that. I, I think that was our, that was our thing. We were, um, and she was... We were in all the episodes together. Uh, I loved working with Sarah on that series and, we, and she was always... I mean, she always knew her lines. More than I did, and she was always there, and very amenable to working with me and coming up with ideas and working around stuff you know that happened and things that went went wrong. And she was she is a thorough professional, you know, really lovely woman.
2: One of the big jokes in it was always the women getting together and having a moan about the men. Basically, that was always drink a, your one coffee. Of, what? Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the main drink things. Drink your coffee. Of, uh, yeah. <laughs> what? What? Uh, but we never really we we. Every, yeah, basically they have to moan about the blokes and and you know, there was always a, a bit of a joke at the expense of Barry, wasn't there, in terms of what you he, what he'd been up to or not been up to and Thora giving giving Glenda advice and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um what what we didn't really see a great deal of was, was Glenda and Barry we saw bits of it, but not, not a huge amount of them at home doing things together kind of thing, in a way.
1: No, but what we did get, we had scenes together sort often from around a table. Yes. Uh, just the two of us in our, you know, um, sometimes its own little storyline or sometimes referring to something else in the series. Um, but I've, I never, I, I've, I will confess now that I don't watch myself But very rarely will sit down and watch myself in anything. I'm always, always disappointed because I think I'm doing something and I I don't see it there. But other people like it, so I'm pleased by that. But whenever I'm flicking through the channels and it stops there and I think, oh, there's a scene with Glenda and Barry, I'll watch two minutes of this. The thing that I hadn't really, we didn't really sort of talk about or build in deliberately is the affection between the two of them. They always touch, she always puts her arms around him or goes over and gives him a kiss or waves her finger at him or they laugh together. There's little tiny incidental moments between them which give you the clue that they are absolutely made for each other. It's very um, interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. But they were all, they were all in a way. We talked, we talked about seaside um, um, postcards and whatever earlier on. We mentioned that a few times. Ronald McGill yeah. postcards. Yeah, I mean, no, they, no nurse.
1: Luster. I said, "Pick boyle <laughs> boil." That one.
2: Last of Summer. Last Summer Wine wasn't like that, but the, but the but the no. characters are characters as in caricatures. You oh, could you could have little cartoons of them and all the rest of it, couldn't they? Because you you, sure. you 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 can. I presume there is. If you went to Holmfirth, I'm sure there are little. Little things that you know, I don't know, uh, little ornaments or whatever that have Glenda and and, uh, and 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 Barry. I'm sure there's probably there's probably I bet there is somewhere along line. Possibly,
1: <laughs> could be, maybe. will <laughs> be There'll be some huge. We haven't got a Lego. <laughs> Lego last the summer why? Like, <laughs> what uh,
2: um, what response did you get to the characters in terms of people out there and people when people spoke to you in the street or wrote to you or anything like that? Uh,
1: I don't look a lot like that guy and I'm walking down the street. Um I don't wear a suit and a tie very often. Um I don't have that particularly that image. Um so I don't get a great deal of that. And also I do live middle of London.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And people really you, you can, can just blend in, can't you really? Just blend in, I right. sat in a I
1: sat in a cafe. Well, people aren't interested. In it. I mean they, they let people alone but I sat in a cafe um, a few years ago with Dudley Sutton and David Warner two very eminent actors and we were having a cup of tea in this place and Bob Geldof was sitting at a table on the street in Chelsea on a busy Sunday afternoon with his kids and a dog and there's we three two of us very eminent and I thought well they are people leave you alone, Bob Geldof he's not you know, he's very recognisable, the hair and the the, the voice and the whole thing, you know. And and it was like, um I thought, yeah, people do leave you alone in London. You've got to be I don't know who they would stop, you know. So I don't get no. that kind of attention. Yeah. To I be fair very
2: Man you um know, I'm, I'm in Manchester and you see Coronation Street cast all over the place and nobody's nobody's bothered. Everyone no, everyone sees them as just part of their part of their lives. You know, they're there all the time. No, I just yeah. wonder I just wondered whether, you know, what kind of what, you know in in, in its heyday, whether, whether you got any fan mail from people about Loans Barry or anything fan like that? Mail. Yeah,
1: fan mail, fan mail came through, but it was like, uh, yeah, but it was almost affectionate. I never got a very little that happened. I got the odd weird letter, but uh, very little really. It was it was always just people who um, who who loved the series, who who liked me or whatever I was presenting, and and people would. Always terribly nice. I never had any hostile stuff. It was always it was very encouraging. I thought, well, I'm doing something right. Um, you know, it was nice. It was it's
2: pretty pleasant, pleasant. One of the biggest selling points, I think, of the series, of course, is its location and um, the Big fact that time. it's in it's in West Yorkshire, in Holmfirth and that area. Uh, fantastic theme tune as well, which of course it uh, was um, done by Ronnie, Hazel-less. Ronnie Hazel-less, Of course, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, who I remember apparently. Um, he used to... uh, I interviewed his wife, actually, and apparently the way he used to do the themes was that he just... Because he had to come up with them very quickly, a lot of the time he'd sing it in his in his head, basically. He'd just say "Last of the Summer," you know, and that's how it came. Like it went on from there, basically. And I think people yeah. put people put words to it at one point. I think there's words to "Last of the Summer Wine" somewhere.
1: They, they weren't it. great. That was <laughs> when compo when comp when Bill died. Do, compo, put some also, words so they did it, yeah. a compo episode. They did compo episode, and they put it sounded like the Mike Sam singers or something, you know. And they put they put uh, words to it. I I, 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 I Peter sallis used to say that if that tune hadn't been played every week it would be regarded as highly as elgar <laughs> and i agree i yeah. think it's the most beautiful english music kind of like an old english folk song yeah it's brilliant it has a resonance to it that is that it that just touches you
2: absolutely and in any yeah.
1: other circumstance it would be uh, much more highly regarded but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. Um, it is a beautiful piece, and the incidental music, uh, which Ronnie also uh, wrote a lot of, but then got farmed farmed out to um, Nigel Hess, yes. who is he's nowadays immensely eminent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nigel, so I, I know Nigel very well. we are b- b- good friends. Well,
2: he did the theme but to Hetty Wainthrop, didn't he? Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Hetty yeah.
1: yeah. Wainthrop and uh, and Ladies in Lavender. Yes, that's right. His biggest hit. Yeah. yeah. And his stuff is is things are recorded by some of the greatest musicians on the planet. Yeah. And he was writing us incidental music. It's fantastic, you
2: know? fantastic. You know. so, so tell us a bit about, obviously, every time you did this series, you were up there in Yorkshire, a um, great, oh. fantastic area. Just tell us oh. a bit about the countryside, the people, the actual location. I was, um, first of all, I
1: stayed in Huddersfield, the Huddersfield Hotel where the Marsden brothers looked after us royally. I mean, that was, that was great. Um, I realised after my first season there, I would have to stop drinking because otherwise I was going to die. It's a, it was a big drinking area, <sighs> Huddersfield. Huddersfield, very interesting town, lovely town.
2: It is, yeah. Um, that hotel you're in is is famous for being home of rugby league as well, isn't it? Huddersfield, the, the that particular, I think it is. I think it's the home... Now you got me. I think me. it was there, there. We are. Yeah, I think it's if you go downstairs. There's loads of pictures. It's it, yeah. It's, it's the, it was the home of rugby league, I think. So there you go. Well, I'm blown. There we are, the
1: Huddersfield Hotel, and it was it was um, our home. It was many people's home. I do remember as it's today of all days of the year. I I do remember uh, uh, Barry Cryer checking in one day. Barry died today, and he. I put a thing on Twitter earlier about it, but it was. Uh, Barry, I knew Barry a little, I'd done I'd done some bits with him, you know, and uh, Barry, uh, I did a Kenny Everett show with Barry at one point, and he um, he was very generous, he was somebody who would go, what do we do with this gag, what do we do with this, let's try, it. let me try, you know, anybody speak any Welsh? I said, well, no, not real. well, he said, it's too long, it's not funny, but we'll do, we'll do, you know, um, but we were, we were kicking stuff around and and there was uh, barry Cryer checking into the huddersfield hotel having done his one-man show at the local theater and of course we all gravitated towards him after dinner and we all sat there and he was telling stories and stories i said i'm off to bed and i dragged him, literally had to drag myself away from them because he was such a great storyteller and the next day's filming was a washout because they did not go to bed that night all of those old buggers did not go to bed. There's you read it. All of those actors didn't go to bed that <laughs> night. Uh, they stayed up listening to Barry, exchanging stories, laughing. And I was I, next day. I was up bright and early, driving, you know, getting out to location, doing all my thing. And um, they were like dish rags, a lot of them, <laughs> but very happy. He's, he's much missed. I'm very uh, immensely fond of Barry. As everybody was. So there's my little tribute.
2: Yeah, no, I I worked with Barry a couple of times. And, Did you? Um, yeah, no, it was fantastic. I was very shocked actually because I think he only he only a month a month ago he, he just started a new a new podcast with his son. You know, he was still active. He was still doing all sorts of things. You know, so very sad, very sad news. Absolutely. So yeah, just finally on that on the countryside then. I mean, it's a beautiful location, well, isn't it? You know. Well, yeah,
1: I mean, it is it is um, probably one of the most beautiful counties I've ever been in. And I spent a lot of time there over a long period and, and walked and walked and walked. I walked the Pennines and I walked old railway tracks, long long defunct. Um, the wildlife was fabulous. The, the, the people were immensely generous and kind, not because I was on the telly, uh, uh, as they often are, um, out of the city, uh, guarded. Did sometimes tetchy, sometimes needed winning over but always uh, immensely uh, helpful and and enormously kind and the beauty of the place I mean I, I used to rent a cottage eventually I rented a cottage over near um, Peniston mm. um, lovely village with a with a with a cinema where they still had a cinema organ that came up. In the, in the interval of the film. Uh, uh, and you were stepping back a bit in time, technologically speaking. Uh, and I had, I had lovely, I just have very, very, very fond memories of, of all of the times I've spent in Yorkshire. And uh, I, I was hanging out with a bunch of people one evening, local people. And I told them I'd been to Halifax that day, and this was in Huddersfield. And they said, oh, we never go there. And I said, why not? It's a different tribe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. I do love going there.
1: And I, and I, I do, I, I filmed even beyond there. I filmed up in, um, in you know, Geordieland up there. I filmed yeah. up yeah. there and there. Again, you you, you find Start. I, I remember filming, filming up uh, in Newcastle,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is uh, uh, a few years ago. And my friend Norman came over from Durham and he said, come on, I'll take you out for tea. He took me to this place and they had a vegan cake. I said, Norman, we've got to try some of this vegan cake, man. And the bloke behind me leaned over my shoulder looking at the ingredients He said, I wonder what they use for lard. <laughs> I thought, I'm so in the north. <laughs> I said to the lady at the checkout, I'm mean, going to forget this, the lady at the checkout recognised me off the telly and she said... Um, he said, Barry, is yeah? And I said, yeah. He said, are you filming around here, Pet? And I said, "I said no, I'm just up here doing something. He said, um, are you from around here, Pet? And I said, um, I'm not, I'm not from London. He said, are you from Yorkshire? I said, no, I'm from Yorkshire either. I'm, I said, you know what? The truth is, I'm not from here. I'm not from Yorkshire. I'm not, I'm not even from London, although I live there. I'm not even from there. I said, to, to be absolutely truthfully honest, I'm a complete fraud. And she said, don't you worry, Pat. She said, we embrace diversity here.
2: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but you're actually from Cheltenham way, aren't you? Is that, what, is that I can't. Right? Kind of West country. West, yeah, West country, country. You can hear of, it. can yeah, hear yeah. it my voice. I'm I still, can hear still it. There. I can definitely hear it in your voice. Yeah. Um, so Last of the Summer Wine, the longest running sitcom in the world. Why do you think it was so enduring? Why did it last so long? And what did it ultimately do for you?
1: Well, it gave me a profile, it gave me a a, a living, Uh, it gives me some money now even, it's played so often I still get the odd residual from it, Um, which is quite generous, Uh, don't you get that now? Uh, In terms of its popularity, it's lasted because, you've used the, the sexist word, but it's so mild within it and because the women are so strong in it every woman in it is very powerful and and, and committed and um not politically feminist but in the true sense uh their own person um uh, as well as being warm-hearted it has a it has a pulse you know it came from roy you know it's got roy roy you you know who could be yorkshireman of the year every year if he wanted to be you know he was he was very disregarded in a sense by the bbc i mean the stories about roy and the bbc are legendary he came to london once he didn't like coming to london but he came to london to an award to a some ceremony and they didn't have his name on the list at the uh security place as you go into the bbc centre so he got in his he got in his car and he drove back to Yorkshire because that's Roy. Because you know, take me or leave me. You know, this is who I am. I, I admire him enormously. And it all, you know, in the beginning was the word, right? And that was
2: the word. And Roy wrote it and wrote the word was funny. I I always feel it, it always annoys me a bit, really, that you know, obviously in the old days we had Yorkshire Television, we had Granada, we had ATV, we had these big. ITV regions where everything was done in that area. You know, you'd get everything filmed in the area, filmed in the studios in Yorkshire and Granada, or whatever. And it always annoys me a little bit, actually, if I'm being honest, that things like Open All Hours and Last Summer Wine and and whatever, that the filming of the inside scenes were all done in TV centre. You know, it often feels to me that actually it would have been, it would have made more, much more sense, wouldn't it, to have had, had them in some studios not far away in Manchester or Leeds or wherever, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, um, just before the
1: before the diversity, they yeah. they uh, before Salford really Salford now would snap it all up.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Although apparently, I was interviewing uh, the two women who played um, the main the inspector in *Juliet Bravo*, Stephanie Turner oh, yeah. and Anna Carter. and yeah. apparently at one point halfway through, I think that they did end up doing the filming at Pebble Mill. So, okay. So they were so they're, halfway. They're, yeah, halfway between the two. Absolutely <laughs> bizarre. Mike, um, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. I'm uh, Thank you. glad to hear all your stories, and um, presume you're still going strong, aren't you? Still acting, still doing things? Is that right? I still act. Yeah, I still yeah. work.
1: I still work when I can, and uh, uh, I I really cracked the world of audio books a oh. few years ago. So I I built a little studio in my house for the lockdown because so I couldn't go to studios and now i'm able to go back to studios and record audiobooks again which i really love doing and i love doing radio it's my favorite medium i think after the theatre perhaps and uh i i so i've been very fortunate in every phase of my career now i'm doing that
2: fantastic well we, we you know i run a radio production company so we'll keep you in mind for any drama and comedy that's coming up never <laughs> you never know there might be something coming do. Up. but yeah, i do I love doing having, radio. having heard your uh, your, your version of Peter Salis, I think you should uh, <laughs> end up doing um, Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> I would
1: love to do. I'd love to have done Wallace and Gromit. You
2: know, I'd love to have done. I I mean,
1: he was, uh, he was a one-off, wasn't
0: he, Peter Salis?
1: He was,
2: indeed. Thank you very much, yeah. indeed, Mike. That's brilliant.
1: Actually, God bless you and keep
0: you and uh, be safe. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Grady chatting to Ashley and coming soon with more comedy nostalgia as we trip back to the early 2000s and the masterpiece that was Early Doors. As soon as we walked out, we felt the the love coming, the warmth. It was brilliant everywhere, you know what I mean? It was fantastic. We did The Apollo in London and Craig said, we're going to need subtitles here, you know. But we didn't,
2: it just blew the roof off. They loved it, you know what I mean?
0: That's John Henshaw coming soon to Distinct Nostalgia. Long as he doesn't get caught in those roadworks where it's all combed off all the way past McVitie's up to the bank on Birdhall Lane.
1: Distinct nostalgia. More than a
0: podcast.